When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, let's get into the Century Tournament of Champions. Um, we'll talk about our picks really quick. So Colin Morikawa, one of my picks, top five. Um, paid a little bit on the Bet365 app for the each way bet. Uh, he is looking great leading early Thursday, but you, we always know. It, isn't it better when your guy's like has a good round Thursday, but it's not like leading? I know he wasn't maybe the official leader, by the time it was all said and done at the end of Thursday, I think he was T2. Um, but I never feel good about a winning pick when he's leading on Thursday. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I, I was in the same boat. Him and Shawfley both started off hot. And actually, Shawfley ended up in the final group and then proceeded to uh, lose by like seven shots, I want to say. So um, not a. it was actually funny because the final group was Akshay Batia, um, Xander Shawfle and Chris Kirk and Akshay and Xander were no uh in in no nowhere near the uh the lead by the end of the round so it was kind of a funny dynamic like watching these dudes um you know finish up the last few holes but they were they really had no shot and it was just a birdie fest all week I mean as everybody could see by the leaderboard it was uh just a shootout and like that's kind of fun but at the same time it's it's not because like like spencer said xander shoffley and colin morikawa both there after day one but basically you had to shoot seven under every day to keep pace um which is not an easy thing to do and that's why these guys are on the pga tour but um courses like this it's just not as much fun to me because uh I mean, Chris Kirk, let's just get right to it. Chris Kirk makes 30 uh, birdies and one bogey all week. Um, you can't tell me that course is hard, no matter. I know they're PGA Tour players. I know they're the best in the world, but there's not a, a single course on the PGA Tour that's considered, you know, somewhat difficult. And I will say there was no wind. So the wind obviously makes a big difference over there, as Mark Rolfing uh, likes to tell us every year because nobody knew it was windy in Hawaii. He acts like he's the, the king of fucking Hawaii, um, which just sends me over the edge every broadcast I listen to him. But anyways, um, yeah, the, the course was just very easy, and it was just a birdie fest, and I, I personally don't think they're that much fun to watch. Yeah, they're not as... This tournament is known for that. Of, of course, we talked about it last week with Cam Smith and John Rahm going at it, and then or two years ago, and then last year, Rom winning it, shooting 10 under. And that's kind of what Chris Kirk had to do. He shot eight under on Sunday to hold off Sahith Thigala, who shot 10 under. 
and Jordan Spieth, who shot eight under by one and two strokes, respectively. So, you know, out of the the worst round, out of the guys that finished in the top five was seven under by Byung-Hung Ann on Sunday. So a birdie fest nonetheless. And it, it's crazy because the golf course is quote unquote hard, right? And the rating of it. And like, if you just send any random person out there to play the golf course, it's not easy. Uh, but for these guys, just with the way the, the, un, like you don't see a ton of undulation on PGA tour courses. And this is, this is why you can turn, you know, 300 yard drives into 350 yard drives because there's speed slots and there's different areas where these guys can land it where no one else can. Yeah, there's definitely like, I, I mean, they say the course rating is 77 from the tips, which is, you know, by definition, you walk out to your run of the mill golf course and the rating is 77, you're expecting like you're in for a, a gauntlet of a day, you know, and granted it is a par 73. So that does take it, you know, everybody just automatically thinks 72 or whatever, Um so the fact that it is a par 73 makes a bit of a difference, but I can tell you, like, even I've played Bear Creek, um, in Colorado and that rating, I guess, I guess it, I think it is a par 71 maybe, or no, it might be 72, but the rating is like 77. And I guess it's just all how you, you know, interpret a golf course, but I can tell you just right off the bat that, uh, no dude on the PGA tour shooting that number at Bear Creek um like chris kirk did this week on the pga tour like that's one of the hardest golf courses i've ever seen ever step foot on so it's it's all i guess it's all relative and i it it makes you wonder where they get these ratings from um you know if they base them off your average player if they base them off of uh uh you know off multiple different levels but it just doesn't uh doesn't make a lot of sense to me when all they talk about is how hard this course is. And then these dudes go out and I mean, Sun JM set uh all time record for birdies in a four round event. Uh, he made 34 birdies this weekend. So uh, what is that? An average of eight and a half a day. Um, so you're, he's basically birdying half of the holes in the golf tournament and <laughs> he did, he didn't win. That's, didn't, that's crazy. Yeah. No, like when you put it like that, it's, it's fucking bananas. Like the fact that he set an all time. And I mean, uh, wasn't it Rom that set the all time scoring record here last year? Or was that Cam Smith two years ago? Cam Smith two years ago at 34 under. Okay. So yeah, I mean, either think about that 34 under that is legitimately under par on 48% of the holes collectively, you know, and like, it just blows my mind. Yeah, it was uh, quite the finish. A couple of guys at the top of the leaderboard too. Uh, Jordan Spieth, kind of good to see him. I know this is, we've talked about this being an easy course, but uh, Jordan knows how to make a lot of high numbers. Um, and he finished shot eight under the last day, uh, finished T or excuse me, third place solo, solo third. So good to see for Jordan Spieth on, uh, you know, maybe a reclaimed, 2024 for him. Sahith Thagala, of course, a guy we've talked about a lot. Um, Up-and-coming star on the PGA Tour. And then Kirk, it was good to see, in my personal, because we talked shit about it last week, I was personally happy to see somebody that was an actual champion from the prior year win the Tournament of Champions. I, well, dude, it's funny because they don't even call it the Tournament of Champions anymore. And that's what had me 
fucked up. I was trying to put it on. Um, I was trying to tweet it out and like find their Sentry Tournament of Champions. They just call it the Sentry now. It's not even the Tournament of Champions. So it definitely gave it like a little bit more of like a bleh vibe. Um, and as we discussed last week with all these dudes that are playing that didn't win last year, it just gives it less of an elite, you know, feeling of a tournament, um, where they just kind of throw anybody willy nilly in there. Uh, I will say too, with the scoring, you could tell how easy the place was. Um, I think it was 20, 19 or 20 under got you inside the top 25, and then uh, Vincent Norman finished last place. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he made 15. Did he make 15 birdies and three bogeys? Um, I I want to say he finished at 12 under. Six and, under. Six under for the event. Okay, nine birdies, three bogeys, and was like far and away at the bottom of the. Uh, <laughs> like the next guy was Hideki Matsuyama at eight under, and then you have Lee Hodges at nine, Ricky Fowler at 10. Um, but yeah, anything to get inside the top 25 was 20 under par. So it it is like a, a pitch and putt for these dudes over there. And a few of these holes, um, you know, like I actually thought it was pretty cool what they did on 18. Did you see, uh i i know it was for sure on sunday but i'm sure they did it throughout the week they had a drone in the middle of the 18th hole kind of near the landing spot to follow the ball to see how long it rolled because i think there's a few drives that didn't stop for 45 seconds um after they hit the ground because that's how sloped that fairway is that's an insanity and the one thing we can say positively about this course that we've said for years is it ends on a par five. So I guess that's fun. I guess that's a win for Kapalua. Right? No, it, it's a great par five. And um, uh, Kevin Kisner actually was like, I'm aiming as far right as possible because Chris Kirk was laying up on 18 with a one shot lead. And I will say that was the shot of the tournament for him was on uh, 17. He, uh Sahith had it tied for the lead and he um Chris Kirk stuffed a five iron in there from like 205 to like two feet like a no-brainer uh tapping birdie on 17 to give him a one-shot lead because as easy as that hole is to birdie there's definitely still trouble like especially Chris Kirk being the dude that really works it right to left if he had to get something really hooking he could easily dumped one in that hazard area you know on the left side of the green and could have been staring six in the face so the fact that he only had to make par on 18 but you know that's kind of a uh even kisner said the same thing kisner was like you know all week you try to go out and make all these birdies and he's like it almost might be harder to try to make par here at 18 because uh you know you're just thinking birdie everything all week and then all kirk needed was par to win on a relatively easy par five and he did end up getting out of there with a par, but it's a, a crazy mindset where you're just thinking birdie, 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 birdie all week. And then you come down to the 72nd hole. You're like, shit, I only need a par. What do I do with that? How do I make par? Yeah. Is it, it's more of like a trying to take your foot off of the gas almost and play not to lose. And granted he ended up winning. So um, <clears throat> it ended up, it worked out well for him, but they're pedal to the metal all week just trying to make birdies and 
that sounds like the name of the game of golf, but a lot of PGA tour events, you know, if you got to talk to someone playing the event themselves, they'd say, you know, and every round of golf goes differently than we expect and everybody expects, uh, it's just the name of the game, but like they map out the golf course and say, okay, this, this hole, I probably, am, I'm going to be happy with par. And this whole, like, I'm going to try to avoid bogeys here and try to avoid bogeys here and be happy with pars here. This is the hole where I need to go make birdie. Uh, it seems like at the tournament, the century, I'm not going to call it the tournament of champions because it's not. The century in Kapalua, it's like, I sh- I expect to make birdie on almost every hole or at least have a shot at it other than, you know, I think there's a long par three, which are always tough. Um, but these guys are full pedal to the metal from day one, you know, and starting the year off. That's just, it's just adding to those birdie numbers for the entirety of the year. Yeah. 100%. It's, uh, it's a lot of birdies. And then, you know, obviously we'll, we'll talk about next week, uh, tomorrow on the pod, but, uh, the Sony opens a completely different golf course. Uh, you're hitting a lot of irons off the tees. You're, you know, if you're hitting drivers, you're cutting corners. And and I hate to say it, like Jordan Spieth, I know that he's a fan favorite, but you think he played well because the fairways are all like 80 yards wide out there. Um, and it, that's the other thing, too, with this golf course is the guys that have played it before have a huge leg up, um, which, you know, it's a challenge to get there. At least in years past, you had to win on the PGA Tour to be able to play Kapalua, at least in the tournament, you know. Um so the fact that those guys, a lot of these guys are kind of going in cold, having never played here before and then get thrown out there. It makes it a little bit tougher for a, a younger dude, you know, that hasn't won and played there a bunch like Jordan Spieth or a few other guys. So there's definitely, it's one of those courses you feel like you really need to know um, to, to succeed. And so you rarely see like a first time guy go out there and win, I feel like. Yeah, it's it's a guy you got to have to see this golf course multiple times, realize how far you can hit the ball. And speaking of that, uh, we have a little, you know, let's give a round of applause to our boy Max Homa. Longest drive in the history of the shot link era, which started tracking shots back in 2003. So you weren't even double digits yet. You're a little, you didn't even know what golf was at that point. Neither did I. Uh, no. But 477 yards on the seventh hole. Um, and I guess Max was kind of, uh, humble about it in general. They asked him about it. And, um, so he gets to hold that, you know, in, he's kind of the record holder of the random things that nobody cares about. I mean, I, not that nobody cares about this, but you know, it's, he's now going to be like, I don't think anyone's going to sniff this until Kapalua again next year. It's the only, it's one of the only places, if not the only place where this is even remotely fathomable. Well, I will say, depending on how firm they get Castle Pines for the BMW, that uh, let's put that in the memory bank because number one at the at Castle Pines Golf Club is straight down the hill, par five, um, where I you know I I can't remember the cross bunkering or it's it, I don't even know if there is cross bunkers, but if it's firm, I bet somebody could get close to touching it on that hole. Um, part of the reason why they made that course so much longer and tougher just to you know equip itself for the pga tour but yeah uh 470 something no matter how you slice it that's a bomb and it just shocks me that like in all the years of dustin johnson and uh you know bubba watson at the phoenix open and like all these golf you know 
not necessarily golf courses that lend itself to it because it's not surprising that it came at Kapalua, but uh, just all these bombers of years past that never got one out there that far. I mean, I remember Dustin Johnson back in his day that I think it may have been the same par four. Um, is it kind of the downhill, like dog leg, right? Yep. Where you just clear the whole right side and you can go yeah. basically straight for the green on a 460 yard hole. Yeah. If I remember correctly, that was the hole that Dustin Johnson hit it to like a foot, almost made a hole in one on a par four there. Um, like probably four or five years back. So I don't know if they've made it longer since then or what, but um, I remember that hole distinctly because I remember Dustin Johnson like grazing it for a, a hole in one on a par four, which I don't think's ever been done on the PJ tour. Um, I actually think it's only been done by dudes that play by themselves at your local golf club on like a weekday afternoon. <laughs> yep. That's it. the only time it's been done in the history of golf. Never, never witnessed, only heard about. Uh, exactly. I was going to say, did you hear anything? Did you like see anything about Kevin Kisner? Um, did you, what, what did you think? Well, that's where I was going to go next is, uh, so I didn't, I watched the tournament, but I was at a sports book for most of watching it. So I didn't get the sound. Uh, they weren't too keen on NFL week 18 to put the sound on of, uh, of, like, uh the, hey, hey, sir, this, could I get the volume up on this one? Yeah, the century, but I did see some tweets. Um, and there, so I, I got some tweets here that I, I saw from the weekend and Kevin Kisner. First of all, the Jordan Spieth one was hilarious. So he, Jordan Spieth had a three footer. Kisner just said, it's three feet, Jordan, just knock it in, bud. And then he ends up missing it. So that was hilarious. And just some other tweets talking about how great Kisner was in general, just to, because he's more, he's so real. So this one from Super 70 Sports, for the 38 of you who are also watching golf, NBC needs to lock down Kevin Kisner long-term. He's already twice as good as Azinger and the definition of a guy who you want to have a beer with. Could be this sweet bastard's gig for the next 20 years. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. I think, you know, we kind of, I personally saw this coming. Like, it, it's just from everything that we've heard about him in, you know, tour circles and uh, everything you hear about from him in the media, it just makes complete sense that this dude is, uh, I wouldn't blame him. I mean, like, like that dude said, he's already a million times better than Paul Azinger. I think he may have been the worst announcer in the history of just TV in general. Um, I did have a guy, uh, tweet us because I tweeted about Kisner and uh, where where is it? I tweeted about Kisner from our golf account. Oh, yeah. And this Judd, Judd Jitsu. Um, it looks like he's an Arizona dude. So uh, Tempe AZ, love that. Thanks for following. Um, I So Brandel was asking Kevin Kisner and it was actually pretty funny because Brandel was like asking Kevin Kisner how he how he prepared for broadcasting like uh like he was going through like navy seal training he's like what did you do to get ready for this like he acts like it's the hardest job in the world i'm like oh my god brandall like it just the the way he was saying shit and like how do you you know everybody else makes you look so good how do you prepare and how do you do it's like dude shut the fuck up man he's going to call a golf tournament like he knows these dudes he knows this golf course he could just show up and you know provide better insight than and and that's kind of sad 
the fact that the bar is so low for announcers in golf. And he was like, like the great Johnny Miller, how are you going to prepare off the course like you did on the course? I'm like, Jesus Christ, nobody liked listening to Johnny Miller either. I was ready for that old conch shell to get off the fucking TV 20 years ago. When I, as soon as I could hear words, I was done listening to Johnny Miller. Um, but basically, Kisner said to Brandel, uh, he, like, Brandel was like, is this something you'd want to do long term? And Kisner goes, we'll see if they even let me come out again tomorrow. Who knows what's going to come out of my mouth out here today? And just that is the kind of authenticity, obviously, that you crave um, from uh, any sort of announcer. But then this dude responded, uh, Judd on Twitter, he said, dude bombed hard. And I was like, did he? I didn't see much of it like Thursday. And he goes, he was on Golf Channel just before and pretty sure he admitted that he rarely watches pro golf and kept doubting himself. I'm like, I don't think he's necessarily doubting himself. Obviously, this is his first time doing it, so he doesn't have a lot of experience. But like I said earlier, I don't think that he was super nervous. The, the thing he was probably most nervous about, which is – something I think we could relate to is just not letting cuss words fly. Like, like you can't be talking like you're talking to your boys. Like, that's why I've, I can never, I don't think I'll ever be able to go on the radio or anything. Like I can't be on any regular scheduled programming TV sort of thing. Um, but other than that, I think, you know, like, realistically let me ask you this do you think a lot of these guys watch the pga tour um you know do you think they are sitting there watching golf on a sunday when they're you know when they have a day off and they work four or five days a week you think they're going to spend their one day off and watch those other dudes out there play like i i think that's asinine uh no i don't think they do i think we've we've seen clips where I think the only time that these guys watch the actual PGA Tour or whatever is when a golf tournament that they're in, like they're in the afternoon round and they're watching how the morning round is going. Like that, that part of it is, I think, where they, you know, they're trying to get, um, they're trying to get, uh, <clears throat> you know, some insight for their, uh, their themselves in the event and like what, what, how can they play, um, you know, a few holes better, how, how they can strategize their day going in, going forward. But no, I kind of doubt that these guys actually watch themselves. Um, a comment from Nathan here. It's really too bad that P Reed sued himself instead of getting a few nickels out of Brandle. I think Brandle's like, he's unfortunately like borderline untouchable, even as bad as he's been. Um, until he like, actually went if he were to actually go to the live tour and, and commentate for them which i don't think they want anyways like that would be the only thing that would make brandle semi-hated yeah in, the, in the golf in the older rail you know older circles of the golf world of the people that still watch the pga tour every single week know who the commentators are you know i bet kisner yeah. is gonna be kisner's gonna be like he's going to be new blood for a lot of people our age that pay attention to golf and a lot of the fans that have seen some of Kisner's stuff in the past. And obviously he's been on other golf podcasts of, of, you know, the demographic of our age and younger golfers that people really enjoy. But I do think it's going to take the old heads watching golf tournaments a while to get used to him. And I actually, so we actually have a video here 
This is from the Golf Channel on Twitter, and it was all Kisner's best moments from his first day on the call. So let's take a listen to this. This should be good. It's Kiz going to broadcast school. You know, they were looking for people to try out, and, and uh, I needed a trip to Hawaii anyway. So it worked out well for my schedule, and, and hopefully it works out well for, for NBC Sports too. Patrick asked me to help him at the President's Cup on Bermuda grass greens putting an hour and a half before the first match. I was like, seriously? Because <laughs> so many players going through the same point. What do you think of the process? Well, it works. I mean, they can prove it to you on the putting green. I just don't have enough patience to do all this. I'm just rather look at it and hit it. How unbelievable was it when you watched your pal Harmon win the Claret Jug over at Hoylake? He's a bulldog, man. Whenever, uh, as soon as those tabloids started messing with him, I'm like, you're messing with the wrong guy. <laughs> These guys are asking me how Kiz is doing just as much as I'm reporting on them, so. <laughs> I don't think I've cussed yet, have I? No, been? you've been absolutely okay. impeccable. I think I made it. I'm not <laughs> sure yet. I'll get, the, I'll get the full rundown when I get back, but no, that's fun. Uh, I have an even greater respect for everybody in the TV business to, to produce all this and, and to make it happen. So definitely some good moments from kids and something that it makes the broadcast worth watching more. You know, everybody turn, tunes into majors, but whatever the PGA Tour can do to, uh, to make their product more, I think the product of everything in the world is moving a little bit more towards not as serious, not as newspaper-y, boring and more to like real and fun and that's what people can relate to and kiz is the perfect guy for that well yeah i mean look at the direction that like tnt has gone in with their nba um and and nhl uh panels you know for halftime and uh period reports and all that shit it, it's i legitimately tune into those broadcasts just to see you know shack and and Chuck go at it, and then Biz and those guys on the NHL uh, broadcast. Like, there's such a a lost appreciation for, um, you know, just somebody being entertaining on a ma making something fun. Like, it's it, in inherently golf is not that much fun, but Kisner is kind of one of those dudes um, that could come in and do that. And maybe that's you know, fingers crossed, that's a direction that golf goes in with having a little bit more freedom to hire these funny dudes um, with just bigger personalities on the PGA tour. Like uh, obviously they don't want to hire Patrick Cantlay or any of these wet paper towels out there that don't really have a, a word to say, but everybody knows who the funny guys are out there. Like Kiz is probably, you know, top five. Um, so bringing him on, I think it's just a perfect, perfect setup for everybody. And, um, I think he's only on three tournaments this year. Is that correct? Uh, uh, yeah, I think as of right now, it was just this week, and I believe he's on next week at the Sony Open too. Okay, um, and I feel like there's maybe one other. I could be wrong, but uh, overall... The, uh, waste management. He'll be at the waste management. Oh, okay. We might run into kids inside the ropes. We'll chop it up a little bit with him. Now, I, will he be in the booth or will he be on the golf course? Is he strictly in the booth? I think they're just keeping him to booth right now. They've got... And they've got a good they've got good talent on the golf course with Colt Nost and Smiley. Not as yeah. not as funny as Kiz, but they, they give that same aura. You know, they have that same like I was here, I wasn't that good here, but I can talk about it and continue my, you know, career broadcasting this game. 
Totally. No, I, I agree. I, I think it would be hilarious to get kids out there walking with dudes. Cause he'd probably like, he'd be the dude that would talk shit. If he, you know, if, if a dude hit a bad shot or whatever, I feel like he'd throw a little chirp his way. So, uh, but yeah, overall, one of the few moves that golf has made that I feel like is, a um, you know, an attempt to get more of our demographic of an age of people into the game. Oh, one, one million percent. Uh, interesting note as well from Chris Kirk. So he switched putters right before this event. Uh, he'd been working with a, you know, his cat, he's on Callaway staff and they have new putters that are just, just got released to the public last November. Uh, they're AI generated faces. So he, now the AI has officially won a PGA tour event. Um, he was playing the AI, uh, let's see here. He was playing the the sev- the AI one milled number seven at the RSM Classic last year, but switched to the AI one milled six TCH, which is crank hosel mid mallet, um, just before this week. And now AI has officially got a dub on the PGA Tour, and it's just you know AI takes over so many things that we do day to day, or not not us necessarily, but. Uh, it was only a matter of time before it got into the golf world, and it was real heavy in the you know woods and drivers world before. Uh, now has gotten into um, the putting world, but it's it's uh, basically making it the face is now better to retain ball speed on slight miss hits and off center strikes. Um, that's really what the AI does. It, you know these guys don't need a ton of help on off center hits on putting. But now that I kind of read through this, maybe I. Uh, I need some AI help in my my putting game. <laughs> well, wasn't that Cobra putter that fucking spaceship you had? I think that was AI like face milled, right? No, so that was three D printed. Oh, that, that's, that's what the it was. difference. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I do have the one of the first, if not the first, three D printed putter of all time. But I haven't gotten into the AI game, so maybe I need to step it up and go spend six seven hundred over at uh, for in an Odyssey. I, I honestly feel like AI is just a term thrown around for like not as intelligent of people to think something's worth more like AI generated this like, uh, you know, it, it sounds like it should be expensive. And it's like, no, some computer uh, just, you know, put together this algorithm in half a second and you're buying this putter for $700 like uh, you're a fucking idiot. Uh <laughs> But I, I mean, whatever works, I just feel like AI, it's a little overused. Actually, I'm going to get off topic just real quick. Uh, so a little bit of AI um, info. So, you know, Chad GPT. Yeah. Which is I'm not totally, I'm not totally familiar with what it does, but. It's basically artificial intelligence that like you ask it a question, it'll answer it. You ask it to write you an essay, it'll write you an essay like. It'll basically answer any, you know, it's basically Google. I don't really get, you know, I'm not like super smart, um, but it feels like basically Google. Anywho, um, the New York Times is suing ChatGPT and OpenAI, two of the biggest artificial intelligence like users uh, for copyright infringement, because basically what those, what OpenAI and ChatGPT do is they pull all the database of like the entire internet 
and put it into to, into their algorithm. So there's all of these articles written by the New York Times that ChatGPT and OpenAI has pulled information from and used them in its algorithm. Um, so they're suing them for like billions and billions of dollars because you can per one article that they infringe on like the copyright, it can be a $150,000 reward. So then think about how many articles the New York Times has written and think of all the information pulled. It's probably, you know, 10,000 articles. So multiply 150,000 times 10,000 and you've got billions and billions of dollars um, that OpenAI and ChatGPT are being sued for. And who who knows what else is going to come out of it. But I just thought that was insane. And it, it kind of makes sense. Like, where the hell is OpenAI and ChatGPT getting all their information? They're just, I guess it's all public shit that's being put out on the internet. But if you're then taking it and using it and saying it's your own, you know, and then charging people a service for it, like, does that, am I getting like too out there for you? Or does that make sense? No, it makes sense. It's just, it, it the interesting part about it is, is, is the... It has is that to be. this is a golf podcast and we're talking about this? No, I mean, hey, it, it relates, dude. AI putters are now winning PGA Tour events. But yeah. I think it's a matter of the where you say you got the information or, or saying it's yours when it's not. I think that's the issue because all the information in the world is out at our fingertips. You know, like my son's never going to have to do his fucking homework when he's 15 years old because there'll be some computer generated thing or he can ask this you know what this math equation is like it's going to be insane but i don't know you know but then you get to the test and you don't have your little computer there and then you're kind of hosed um but i think the in general ai is actually pretty cool but i haven't dabbled into it as much as i probably should just to know about it but i also like it also kind of freaks me out some of the stuff that it does and it's it's kind of something that I like to uh, stay away from a little bit. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Yeah, no, it's completely alarming. I mean, but if you're freaked out about what AI does, then you should probably get rid of like your Amazon Alexa and shit like that because they're literally just listening to every single word you say at your house at all times. Um, But that's another uh, topic for a different day. Oh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, actually, I'm not going to out anybody, but a few of my girlfriend's coworkers have said they've started to use chat gpt to respond like menial emails and shit like really yeah it just generates a response and off you go (laughs) like they you don't have to waste you know you could probably save a couple hours a week not having to respond to bullshit emails 
Yeah, that's uh, maybe I will get into fucking AI. <laughs> maybe I do need to check this out. That's it. Um, another another quick thing about Chris Kirk uh, that I thought was interesting. They talked about it on his Instagram. He's kind of documented uh, his journey to teach himself how to play left-handed. And he said he shot 82. His low left-handed is 82, um, which is, by all accounts, really fucking good. But I just think it's very interesting because I've actually, obviously, I'm nowhere near like what Chris Kirk is. Um, uh, But he just like taught himself how to do it. And that's what I was trying to do is teach myself how to swing left-handed. And it truly gives you a better understanding. Like once you're a very good golfer one way, um, and I'm not calling myself very good, but once you're a good golfer one way, then you're, you're relearning all the mechanics and feeling like a complete, like you basically feel like a toddler when you step over to the other side of the ball and you know, the way your body tilts and the way you turn and your arm positioning, things like that. It's pretty insane. Uh, but credit to Chris Kirk, I think he actually took like a month or a month and a half off playing right-handed and was like just playing lefty. So, uh, credit to ambidextrous golfers, amphibious golfers for the win. (laughs) Um, also, you know, he's taking home 3.6 million. Great start to his year, um, with the first signature event of the PGA tour season. Also from, back a couple years ago chris kirk almost like quit the game of golf i think we have talked a little bit about it but had some issues with alcohol um and came back better and stronger and now is winning you know one of the eight biggest events on the pga tour he's kind of always always there in these bigger events um missed him this week obviously you know didn't didn't see that one on the bet 365 odds that didn't, that didn't one have that one on the bingo card yeah but shout out to him for you know working through those issues we're seeing that more and more um in sports as in terms of guys like speaking out about it and then coming back and it's kind of like just it's kind of like a feel-good story instead of a you know, oh, woe is me. It's like, I got some issues and, uh, and you fix the issues and now, you, now you're winning winning uh, some big events. He also looks horrible without a beard. When I was doing some research on him, there was a couple pictures with him without a beard and it just brings me back to, does anybody look better without a beard than with a beard? Does any grown man, adult, grown man, let's, let's start there, um, look better without a beard than a beard? I don't think so. Um- I think there's like a small group of dudes, like older guys that have nice, like a nice head of hair and like a, a somewhat good looking, like skinnier face. Those are the only like, like Robert De Niro, like when he shaves his beard, he looks good. There's certain dudes um, that I think can pull it off, but they have to be good looking. They have to have hair uh, on top of their head, which mine is dwindling as we speak. I actually... And feeling it fall out um and you have to have a somewhat like slender face like you can't have a, a bowling ball sitting on top of your neck like i do so i'm all the way out my eight chins uh are covered up nice and nice nice and cleanly by this uh and it's even like i trimmed it probably a little bit too far but there's not very many people uh that can pull off the the no beard look on the topic of things that didn't look good, did you see that hat that Ping made a lot of their dudes wear? No, is I didn't. Was Victor it was, wearing it? 
No, Victor wasn't shockingly because he had such a crazy outfit on that he was like, fuck you guys. I can't wear this shirt and this hat. Like that's pretty much his standard. But um Tyrrell Hatton's outfits, like in in Sahith Tagala was wearing it, Tyrrell Hatton was wearing it. Um, and it was I mean, that it, it would have worked, but nobody's outfit picker was like, let's match this hat to to like let's make our outfit match the hat they were just like let's throw this crazy you know hawaiian flower style hat on these dudes that are wearing you know bad that's so i'm looking at it right now that is absolutely awful you have to wear a solid shirt if you're gonna wear a bucket like that 100 percent of the time exactly they were they were putting like Cyril Hatton's got like horizontal two-tone like striped shirt on that has nothing to do with the hat yeah and it's just like the I, I was like is somebody fucking with me like I thought that was like photoshopped you know what's ironic though is he shot the low round of the tournament 62 wearing that fucking horrible get up so shout <laughs> no, out to he, him uh, yeah he it was funny I watched his post-round interview and he was like bitching about uh he's like I hit a few shots here and there and uh, the commentator was like, you know, you shot 11 under, right? And he's like, yeah, I just, everybody knows me for having a bad attitude. So I figured that's what I'm good at. So I'm just going to stick with it. Um, but there was a, a scene and I forget who the commentator was, but uh, he had a chip shot that he kind of stuck in the ground in that thick Hawaiian grass, uh, thicker than a bowl of oatmeal over there. You really got to get the wedge through it. And he stuck the wedge in the ground and the ball came up probably 15 feet short of the hole, you know, barely got on the green. He's kind of short-sighted and he like swings his club at it and then stomps on it multiple times. Like it looked like he was trying to put out a fire. Uh, so that was pretty fucking funny. Like he's like in the commentator is like, Oh, look at that. It was two swipes and two kicks. Like some, it was just, it was pretty funny. Yeah. He's, all-timer love he's worth the price of watching a tournament 100 percent. but i would i would just prefer if uh these club manufacturers like remember when TaylorMade did that back in the day like all the rocket balls and shit that was just so gaudy and terrible there yeah there was just so many they're looking back on it because in the moment it looks so sick and then like i used to think like maybe i need a rocket balls driver and now i'm just like fucking I'm like that. I'd, I'd rather hit a, like somebody hit a, a Nike Sumo at one point. Like, <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, exact. Oh, fuck off. That thing. Remember that Easton baseball bat sounding driver? Holy shit. We would uh, clap but, those. But that was just like when I thought I was when I was 17, and I thought like an all white outfit looked good. Like, do you remember caddying for me in that junior event? And I had a white shirt, white pants, white shoes, white hat. Like. I don't know what the fuck I was going for, but, and I actually like, you know, it was circa 2010, 2011. So I actually thought it was kind of dope. Like I pulled it off, but uh, now I look back and just shudder at the thought. I'm still a big fan of white pants. I can always rock the white pants still to this day, but the full white get up is, I don't know. I'm, we should do like a evolution of golf outfits for just the everyday person from like 2020 or 2010 to like 2020 well speaking of we didn't even touch on jason day throwing it back to the 90s uh with his melbourne first outfits of the year uh for those of you who didn't hear he uh 
signed he you know i don't know what's going on with adidas but he left adidas and is now sponsored by malbin um for those of you who haven't heard of him you know it's kind of a newer uh newer brand that's a little bit more fashion forward um but it it feels like the baggy clothes are back in now like he was rocking the baggy like borderline pleated uh pants the big baggy like kind of cotton looking shirt and so I beg the question, is this shit from the 90s going to be back in where like I'm wearing like what? To- I mean, I already kind of dress like Tony Soprano a little bit. Like I like a, a big button down and, you know, some the pants. I don't I don't really rock those super loose pants, but uh, I love a good like old school, like button down shirt, like especially short sleeve. But this golf clothes is this is this coming back to life? Yeah, I mean, I think the the fashion forward thing now is wearing shit from thrift stores in the '90s. Like it's like Macklemore was way ahead of his time in in singing that song because that's what it's gotten to now. Like, I I get I rarely get compliments on my outfits from other dudes, but 100 percent of the time it's on some retro shit that I own. That's Broncos, Nuggets, Abs. Like that's the only time, and yeah. it's always on that shit. No, I had a, uh, oh, what did I, I had a, I have like an Iowa kind of like retro-ish hat. And this dude goes, I like your Iowa hat. He's like, is that new or is that like an original? Um, and I was like, well, it's a, uh, it's new, <laughs> you know, cause you have to ask people now you're like, did, did they just make that? Or did you, cause I have a few, like, I have a few of our grandpa's Iowa like hoodies and like crew neck sweatshirts that are. Like I have one from like the 2003 um, like Fiesta Bowl or some shit. And that was a gas, like not maybe not the Fiesta Bowl, like the Citrus Bowl or whatever, but it was it was fire. Um, Nathan just commented on uh, Tiger Woods. We'll get into that more tomorrow and kind of project where we think he's going. But uh, obviously, if you haven't seen the news on social media, Tiger Woods is uh and Nike have officially parted ways kind of a weird deal, but you know, that's Nike's kind of getting out of the game. So yeah, they've lost Jason day and tiger woods. No, Jason day was Adidas. I thought I, he used to be Nike. Maybe they lost him way in the past. Yeah. I Isn't mean, Scotty Scheffler, Nike. Yeah. Scheffler's Nike. Um, uh, I wonder if like got we'll, we'll talk about it more tomorrow, but I wonder if guys like Tiger are going to go to like a more put together fit of like, okay, their foot joy shoes are obviously the best. And a lot of people like those. And then is it the hat shirt combo pants? You know, like I bet you every, you're every, saying uh, like a clothing free agent type of thing. Yeah. Or just like not being full head to toe in one, one outfit, you know, they just wear what they like versus like, Tiger's made enough money on sponsorships in his career. I don't think he needs to go sign another deal. But I bet you this, every clothing company in the world that has any sort of connection to anyone around Tiger Woods' camp is making a red shirt right now um, in prep for that, you know, that sell of their wares towards him. I I have a bold prediction, um, and I'll just throw it out here right now if we want to clip this or what, but I think Tiger's going to go to Grayson, uh, given the fact that, He's boys with Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas is one of the the main guys on the Grayson staff. Um, it's a younger guy's line. The Wolf logo is just sick. Uh, and we actually walked by one of their retail shops in Detroit, 
and I will say it looked awesome. Like I actually wanted to go in there. I like their designs, uh, really like forward thinking, um, like clean, but kind of out there at the same time. I could see Tiger rocking uh, some grace and stuff going forward, but we'll we'll see. I mean, that that would be obviously whoever he goes to, it's going to be the biggest possible get they could have. Yeah, and just like the you know Nike with him and Jordan 20, 25 years ago on the, that Netflix show, it, this is like that reincarnate because not only does it create like the, the, all the PGA tour players that are playing now grew up watching tiger. So then they're like, Hey, you know, kind of, it's just kind of like a follow in line type of thing. So yeah, one clothing company is going to be selling a, a shitload of clothes in 2024 when that, that new logo and that, uh, but now that that video that went viral 20 years ago of the little Nike logo falling into the the hole at the Masters is is uh gone. It's over. It's wild and I even saw people selling like their old like there it was like a, a Nike Tiger Woods hat um for like $500 on eBay. Um people are just ridiculous like I mean I I guess I respect the hustle but give it a fucking rest like you, you don't need to sell your 10-year-old, 15-year-old shit. Nobody's going to pay $500 for it. Yeah, well, somebody might. eBay is a wild spot. <laughs> some uh, some clothing designers, uh, art guy is going to be getting ready to learn red, buddy. <laughs> yeah, time to yeah. learn red, buddy. Time to learn red and black. Yeah. Because that's what we need. That's whoever, whoever it's going to be, they're going to have a... Uh, a, red, a blank red shirt with Tiger Woods name on it. That's going to do Billy's. Exactly. I wonder if they get the Tiger Woods logo or not. The T. Um, that's cute. Yeah, I don't know if Tiger owns that. I'm sure you know he'd probably work it out with somebody. Because I think Jordan owns the Jordan logo. So, yeah, I guess we'll see. Well, that wraps it up for us on the Winner's Circle Monday on Tuesday this week. Um, my apologies for the taking too long in Las Vegas. Won't happen again uh, this year. But the our normal episode of Big Drive Energy will come tomorrow. We will be live on our YouTube channel, 11 a.m. Mountain Time, 1 p.m. Eastern. We'll talk more about the world of golf. We'll preview the... Uh, upcoming event this weekend in Hawaii as well. The little Hawaiian swing continues on the PGA Tour. And we'll talk about other happenings in the golf world. So we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Peace. Peace. Peace.